1: Hey everyone, welcome to Roundball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Monday, July 26th. Three days to go until the 2021 NBA Draft. And today we're going to be looking at some of the NBA draft prospects who are most intriguing for fantasy purposes. That includes the names of the top: Kate Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley. We will look at their fantasy potential and more coming up in just a second.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards.
2: You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.
1: As we welcome in everyone listening on the podcast
3: and watching live on YouTube, I'm joined by Ryan Knauss. Ryan, how are you? I am well, Matt. Uh, eventful times. I feel like you you invited me on to test my faith in uh, my skepticism of rookies. I'm I'm typically the the staff skeptic. Uh, I like to refer to past years and how few rookies cracked the top one hundred, et cetera. Uh, we'll we'll see if I can maintain that in the barrage of what I'm sure you will throw at me. A lot of positive facts, a lot of reasons for hope. <laughs> It's true. you know, And I I have been thinking about that, how you are the ultimate
1: guy who doesn't ever draft rookies in fantasy. And I don't even know if you ever make an exception to that rule. But we're going to try. Today, we're going to try to get you to sign on for drafting at least one. I'm going to try to talk you into one or two of these guys. And please talk me out of it if I sound irrational. We got to have a little give and take here.
3: Sure. I will say, like, I drafted uh, Halliburton last year, and just because okay. he was fa- falling way to the final rounds. Like, some sometimes guys like that come where I'm willing to just take a swing in round 10, 11, whatever it might be. Yeah.
1: And Halliburton kind of was a guy who just seemed sort of ready made NBA role player. So we, right. we shall see if there are any uh, ready made prospects in this particular draft. So we're going to start it off as we look at some of the most intriguing prospects. In this Thursday draft for fantasy purposes, that conversation, obviously, Ryan, has to begin with Cade Cunningham, who averaged at Oklahoma State last year, rounding the numbers, 20 points per game, six boards, three and a half dimes, one and a half steals, 0.8 blocks, 2.33 pointers, shot 40% on threes, which is a big note here. High turnovers, four per game, but this is a guy who has drawn comparisons from a number of analysts to Jason Tatum, Ryan. The shooting numbers are really encouraging for fantasy. So... Let's just start there and say when you look at this complete package from Cade Cunningham, a guy who may be all right in percentages, we think, and has that all-around game, if he ends up with the Pistons, we know, or or Houston, wherever he ends up, this guy's going to be playing right away a lot. So what's the downside here, Ryan? This, this one just feels like actually relatively safe. I mean, what's your hesitation?
3: It does feel relatively safe. My hesitation would be the fact that he had a – Uh, assist to turnover ratio that was not even in the whole numbers. I believe it was (laughs) 0.88 something last year. Uh, Three and a half assists versus four turnovers. So we could start there. Um, He also, you mentioned he shot 40% from deep, which is great. And uh, I think a third of his attempts were from downtown. So a huge portion of his shot uh, load but he was only you know, under 44% from the field overall, so could potentially be a net negative there for fantasy. Those are the only negative points I have against the guy. Otherwise, he looks awesome. His size is incredible. I mean, 6'8", he's got the wingspan. Come in, you know, it, it looks NBA ready. And he's even going to get you some defensive stats. He had uh, over 1.5 steals per game last year and 0.8 blocks, which, yeah. you know, I, I love those out-of-position stats that maybe he'll win you a defensive category or two. Uh, throughout the course of the season. And, you know, he can hit threes. And the best part is he might end up, it looks like he's probably going to be a piston next year and obviously would get carte blanche to do basically whatever he can do out on the court. So, what really will prevent me, and the reason why I end up not drafting many rookies is because people are going to overvalue him. Like I don't yeah. expect Cade Cunningham to fall to the range at which I'm comfortable taking him, which is closer to the middle rounds. So I think the hype machine gets going. You see him handling the ball, maybe he has one huge preseason game or whatever the case may be, and suddenly he looks like a top 30 guy to fantasy managers. So, yeah, it's it's really that hype train gets rolling and you know our former colleague mike gallagher always references the mystery box people lo- love the unknown yes. and the the this potential breakthrough guy and yeah as much as i love cunningham and i'm not talking about his long term fantasy future just for the upcoming season yeah i'd probably pump the brakes and and target him in the middle rounds
1: yeah, what the what's behind that door aspect of this is huge and I think you that's my really my only hesitation in this case too. I mean, I think we expect Cunningham to produce and be a viable fantasy contributor from day 1. It's just as yeah. you said, the ATP is what you're just going to have to watch and in all likelihood it's probably going to be where where we kind of project him as like a mid-round player just conservatively just playing it safely. You're gonna to have to take him way earlier than that. So most likely. So so that's our hesitation there. But otherwise, sounds like we're in agreement on Cunningham. Let's move forward to a guy who is most likely going second, or projected by a lot of places to go second. And and we're really entering into some kind of uncharted territory here in the draft rhyme because for the guy widely projected to go second overall, we have to look up his G League numbers from last year. And mm-hmm. that is Jalen Green, who in fifteen games in the G League posted around eighteen points per game, four boards. Three assists, a steal and a half, two threes. Also promising shooting numbers, 46 from the field, 83 from the line, and 36 and a half on threes. Watching some of his footage recently, I found myself thinking of a less powerful version of Anthony Edwards. And I saw Sam Vecini, if I'm saying his last name right, of The Athletic, make a similar comparison. And I never know, with all the content we read, Ryan, I never know whether I had that idea without reading Sam Vecini's (laughs) thing or whether he planted it in my head in some other article. But the point is, you can see that. It's easy to see kind of Anthony Edwards' light, like a slightly smaller version, I think. Maybe he needs to bulk up a bit. But an impressive scoring prospect, I think Green is. And some steals, some threes. What's your impression of this guy?
3: Uh, much of what you said. I mean, I love his his well rounded all around game. It's funny you mentioned you know not knowing if it was your idea or someone else's. That's more true than ever when it comes to to draft prep and projections. And you you've read so many mock drafts and so many different right. takes, and it's like your head is buzzing. But usually <laughs> it it falls into a sort of consensus. Even with mock drafts, there tends to be like a group think where we can say so and so is projected to be top ten or middle rounds. Uh, but I mean. There's no secret about Jalen Green, and it's kind of cool. Like, I love the Ignite team, and the whole concept behind it gives guys a different path to get into the league. Mm -hmm. And he looked good last year, and we've now seen him play against basically NBA-caliber players. So it's not as much of a guessing game in terms of how will those skills translate to the next level, because he's just, you know, was one notch below it, and he did extremely well. Uh, So I love, I mean, we know about his athleticism, his scoring ability— but he wouldn't hurt you either shot 46% from the field, 83% from the line and almost 37% from deep ended on a high note. He had 30 points, seven dimes, five boards and three steals in his team's only playoff game. Uh, He looks like the complete package. If he ends up in Houston, he's going to have the ball a ton uh, with a mandate to score the ball, you know, over two threes last year, a a steal and a half per game and stuff like that is critical. Like I mentioned the, you know, maybe random blocks for Kate Cunningham, a couple steals there as well. Those supporting stats, so the the efficiency shooting the ball and those the ability to get any sort of supporting stats are so huge for me because there are absolutely you know you could be the best scorer in the draft and you're going to have some rough stretches, weeks, maybe a month at a time when teams are just locking you down. Your game isn't isn't clicking. What else can you do to help fantasy managers? Uh, right. So I, I think green Green has that just enough. You know, four boards per game, almost three assists, a steal and a half. That type of, as you mentioned, uh, Anthony Edwards sort of light uh, statistical contribution is going to be key. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing more
1: that kind of takes the wind out of your sails these days more than like thinking of a guy as a points and threes only guy because there are just so many yeah. points and threes options and it's just not – Having a guy who's going to get you 15 points and two threes per game and very little else is just not that valuable to a fantasy squad these days. And yeah, like you said, that steal and a half is really interesting from green. Do you think about the team fit in this case at all? Like any preference for you? Imagining this
3: guy going to Houston or Cleveland team fit for sure is important for, I think I prefer for him to end up in Houston. It just feels like the doors are wide open there. Kevin Porter jr. Is still kind of a question mark option that Honestly, just seeing the two of them play alongside each other in a real-world sense would be so much fun that I'm kind yeah. of rooting for that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that he ends up in Houston both for real-world and fantasy purposes. Okay, well, that's the current projection a lot of places. As we look at the next guy,
1: the other consensus top three guy would be USC's Evan Mobley, a seven-footer who averaged around 16.5 points, nearly nine boards, two-and-a-half assists, almost a steal per game, and almost three blocks per game for USC. He did make 12 three-pointers but only at a 30% clip, Ryan. And there's a solid chance, it seems like, that Mobley ends up with the Cavs. But the question Mm -hmm. becomes the front court fit, I think, for starters, and playing time for a team that may still have Jared Allen back. He's a restricted free agent, but according to Shams Trania, there was a blurb on NBC Sports Edge today that there are some Raptors rumors with Jared Allen. So his future with the team is a little murky. And I think with Mobley, it's a combo of, as a big guy, how quickly... Is he going to figure things out in the league versus like a Jalen Green who's, you know, already been in the G League putting up numbers? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of that double whammy, I think, of Mobley, if you will, of team fit. How does he fit with the Cavs? And is this going to be a little more of a project where he's brought along slowly and it takes some time? What are your thoughts on all of that?
3: Yeah, there's a lot to it. And the team fit is interesting. You mentioned, I mean, if Mobley did end up in Houston, he'd be he'd have to deal with Christian Wood. The Rockets don't seem like they want to go down that road maybe um the calves it, it's interesting because right they they looked for all the world like Jarrett allen was going to be their sort of franchise center going forward right maybe that's not the case now and it could just be as simple as hey the draft lottery balls went their way if they if evan mobley's on the board he's a better franchise fit long term yeah and they, they very well may pivot and maybe allen doesn't come back Honestly, even if he does, I think Mobley, there's a potential that they could view the two of them playing together. You know, they're going to, at the very least, split minutes. I could see definitely some rotations where they're sharing the court. And Mobley's ability to fit, you know, you you mentioned Green having played in the G League. Mobley hasn't. How quickly will he hit the ground running? I'm pretty optimistic on this one. I think, Mobley, you watch him play. He has such fluidity, such a high basketball IQ. He looks like he'll be able to pick up systems quickly, like, you know, he doesn't seem to get flustered. He doesn't make stupid fouls. He had, Mm -hmm. in fact, a ridiculously low foul rate. It was uh, something like two fouls per 40 minutes in in college, which is pretty incredible, especially for a guy with his block rate. He had three and a half swats per 40 minutes and only two fouls. So, he's doing it all with incredible timing, length, anticipation, basketball IQ, all those things. So, I love to see that uh, three point shot is a work in progress, and that's going to be key if they are trying to start like a twin towers front court. Ken Mobley knock down three pointers. Well, he was up to 30 percent last year, so that that bodes well. Uh, it, you know, in that they could at least work on it. We know how much uh, teams covet stretch bigs, so I guarantee they'll assign a coach to him to on, for his perimeter shooting. And he's a willing passer, uh, two and a half assists per game. So he really looks like someone you could honestly run plays through right out of the gates look to to score the ball he's not going to be your number one option but he's not going to hurt you so yeah I'm you know I'm undermining my own case as a fantasy skeptic here of rookies (laughs) because I quite like uh, how Mobley projects he's a
1: tantalizing prospect no doubt and you mentioned some of the reasons why I like the assists, the potential for three pointers down the road so yeah potentially a very fun player and I think the difference with Cunningham. And with Green and Mobley is these probably are guys who are going to be available a bit later than Cunningham. Cunningham just has so much name recognition at this point compared to Green and Mobley even that I think these are guys Mm. who you could get, you could find them available at a point in your draft when it's actually worth it to take them on a fantasy team. We're going to have to see how that all shakes out, but... But with Cunningham it almost feels like he's already his ADP is already too high in fantasy leagues whereas right. with these with these other guys there is at least a chance oh wow it's later rounds and there's Mobley let me take a flyer on this guy who in the second half of the season probably starting for the Cavs and could help me out a ton
3: that that kind of scenario Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned that about the second half of the season, because although when you look back, rookies don't typically fare all that well on a season long basis, usually top 100, there are only two, three or four rookies in every class that end up in the top 100. However, if you isolate the post all-star break section of the season, that number doubles, sometimes triples because Mm -hmm. rookies are getting a ton more time. The best rookies are usually on the worst teams. Now they've had time to get used to the NBA tanking happens and guys are just thrown into the fire so there's a lot of opportunity even if you don't draft a rookie doesn't mean rookies are not going to help your fantasy team right and think about anthony edwards who we
1: mentioned before i mean i don't have the exact numbers in front of me but there are some dramatic a dramatic Mm -hmm. before and after effect for him this past season where he really took off and started putting up very
3: solid fantasy numbers after a certain point after struggling early Great example. He was he was brutal for percentages in particular in the beginning, uh, but looked like a comfortable NBA star by the time the season wrapped up. Right. Okay. Well, at the fourth pick, Ryan, we have a situation that to
1: me, as I look at it, fit-wise, we've been talking about fit. This one almost makes too much sense. The Raptors pick fourth. <laughs> they seem likely to lose Kyle Lowry as a free agent. This is a team that was playing two smaller point guards in the same backcourt. They obviously had some success with that, with Lowry and Van Vliet, but... A team that certainly looks like it could use a playmaking guard. So enter Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga, a bigger guard. I believe he's 6'4", averaged 14.5 points, just over five boards, four and a half dimes, nearly two steals, 1.2 threes at Gonzaga. Shot it well from the field, 50%. Only 34 on threes, but 75 from the line. And I think that maybe is the one question about Suggs is his jump shot. But it's not like he shot 27% on threes or something horrible where you feel like there's no hope here. And everything you read and everything you see, just a competitor, a guy who's going to get after it on defense, just a fun, exciting player to watch. I I really enjoyed watching him in the limited time that I did. And I just love the fit, as I said, Ryan, because Nick Nurse, we know, loves to give a ton of minutes to his backcourt. And if Lowry is gone, there's a huge opening here if the Raptors
3: take Suggs. Absolutely. Uh, I like that you said it might be too good of a fit. Like the Raptors <laughs> should be skeptical. Something's going on here. Um, yeah, exactly. But yes, for for all the world, it looks like Kyle Lowry's gone. Suggs seems like an NBA-ready guy who can just fit right in. Another player who has a sort of veteran savvy about him, mm-hmm. right? Like he doesn't seem like he's going to hurt you, make a lot of those rookie mistakes that kill you with silly turnovers and poor shooting. I mean, 14.5 points, over 50% from the floor, uh, five boards, five almost five assists, and almost two steals. Uh, just solid, solid numbers. Uh, our colleague Tommy Beer gave me this nugget that uh, Suggs became the third NCAA freshman in the past 30 years to average 14, 5, and 4 while shooting over 50% from the fo- from the floor. Wow. Uh, the only other people to do it were Ben Simmons and Lonzo Ball. So he's in great company, and the fit in Toronto – appears to be perfect, right? Like, as you mentioned, Nick Nurse seemed, has proven that he's he's comfortable playing a smaller backcourt. Uh, Fred Van Vliet has proven that he can play on or off ball extremely right. well. Suggs can kind of just fit in whatever they need him to do. He's not going to be tasked with running the entire offense out of the gates, so he can, you know, find his spots a little easier. Great in transition. Yeah, not a ton of weaknesses. I don't know that he's a, he's a player who's going to win you assists in a given week, anything like that. So... Maybe the fantasy ceiling isn't quite as high as these other guys that we've we've spoken about. But in terms of just an immediate fantasy glue guy who can come in and won't hurt you, uh, I think he's a great target. Yeah, agreed. I, I do think he feels like another guy who, yeah, like you said, could make an immediate impact.
1: So, so far, Ryan, we've talked about four players and <laughs> we're kind of talking about four guys we expect to be fantasy relevant at some point this season, all four of them. I mean, we're not talking about any of these guys in the terms of like, ah, it's going to be kind of a shirt year like we don't expect – You know, so pretty promising overall for a guy who does not draft rookies. I kind of feel like you're already going to draft one of these guys at this point.
3: I probably will. Again, it's going to come down to how other managers value them and whether or not they're there uh, in the rounds where I'm comfortable. But yes, so far, so good. Let's let's keep it up. Let's see if, if we can find positive things to say about everyone else. Okay,
0: we have a few more players here. We're just going to take a very quick break here. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?
2: Four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're gonna pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on Auto Trader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.
1: Hear the Olympics like you've never heard them before with the podium and NBC Olympics podcast. Follow along with host Lauren Shahadi as we bring you deep into the stories and behind the curtains each day during the Tokyo Olympics. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, after that top four, Ryan, it does get quite a bit murkier. It feels like we have a very clear four guys, right, who really should go one, two, three, four. So wanted a few other names, though, and look at their potential. A lot of mock drafts have Scotty Barnes out of Florida State going fifth overall to the Magic. A guy, you know, you'll see described as a defense-first competitor, switchable defender, like the kind of defender teams want. The issue, though, is offense. He averages 10.3 points four boards, 4.1 assists, which is notable, but 1.5 steals, 0.5 blocks, 0.5 threes at Florida State last season, and just shot 27.5% on threes. Those numbers, to me, Ryan, are eerily reminiscent of last year's number four pick out of Florida State, Patrick Williams, who was almost to nothing for fantasy purposes. I'm just worried that Scotty Barnes mm. is you know, going to be a good real-life player, but I'm not sure about his fantasy blueprint. Can you offer more optimism
3: than this? I cannot. This is why we've immediately hit a roadblock. Uh, sorry <laughs> to fail you. Uh, but you're right. I mean, he, he looks like a three and D guy who can't hit threes. Uh, it's right. basically the player you just described. No, that's too reductive. And as you said, he is a good passer. But, right, 20, what was it, 28% from deep? Yeah. And... Just, I mean, 62% from the free throw line as well. And usually that's kind of viewed as a proxy of three-point shooting. If a guy shoots threes very poorly in college, but is like 85% at the line, you think, well, his shooting mechanics are sound, you know, with enough reps and a coaching staff, he'll be able to get there. So 62% from the line from Barnes is not great. Uh, 28% from deep. He turns the ball over two and a half times per game to go along with those four assists. So it's not, you know, there's a bit of a a, uh flip side to that, uh, assists and a steal and a half per game and half a block is not what you want to see from a guy who's hanging his hat on defense and who against college opponents could only do that. Well, what's he going to do when he gets to the NBA? And if he's viewed as a, you know, defense being his calling card, he's going to be playing against the best players in the league. So I just don't see his path to really winning you a single fantasy category, let alone helping you across the board. Right. Okay. So,
1: we're out on Barnes. Let's move on to the <laughs> next player I want to talk about. That's James Booknight out of UConn, a guy a lot of real-life teams seem to be interested in. He's been mocked some places to the Warriors at number seven. There are some flags to consider here, though, Ryan. Number one for me is team fit. I mean, let's say hypothetically he goes to the Warriors, right? It's immediately crowded, assuming they're healthy. Curry, Clay Thompson is back. Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, Jordan Poole emerged last season. And it's hard to find... Yeah room there for a rookie on a team that wants to win and then you factor in the numbers which book I did average 18.7 points per game in college you like that but low steal and assist numbers 1.8 assists 1.1 steals only shot 29 percent on threes so i'm finding myself pretty skeptical about him as a fantasy option even if he's in a great situation can you sway me do you want to try to sway me i mean your thoughts on both of those the fit and the upside even in a vacuum
3: Yeah, the fit would be terrible in Golden State. Now, I like it from a real world perspective. I think that he would be a good pickup for the Warriors, give them some offensive punch off the bench. But as I mentioned before, I think there is redundancy with Jordan Poole. And Book Knight is a combo guard, but he's yet to prove that he can really be on ball all that effectively. And you mentioned the 29% shooting last year. He had an elbow injury, which definitely played into that. And he he assuaged a lot of the fears about that during the combine when he shot lights out from deep. Granted, okay. it, he was completely unguarded in a shooting drill. <laughs> um, so, how much stock do you want to put in that versus uh, a season of college ball? But you know, he's an interesting instant offense kind of scorer. He's got pretty good size. I think he measured out almost six six foot five. But for fit-wise, I think if he ended up in OKC, the pick before, there's been a little bit of heat about that. Uh, The Thunder were the worst offensive team in the league last year. They desperately need somebody to take some pressure off uh, SGA's shoulders. Book Knight could be that guy. If he lands there, he's going to score. But this is the type of rookie, like a guy who will turn the ball over. He had 2.8 turnovers versus 1.8 assists. That already is like a huge red flag for me. The poor percentage from downtown where you'd expect a high percentage of his shots to come from in the first place. That's going to hurt his his uh, shooting efficiency. So even in a good fit, like a team like OKC, I'm not enthused about his uh, fantasy outlook. So it seems like, yeah, OKC
1: was, I had flagged that to talk about as well. So yeah, the volume could be interesting there, but it could be one of those situations where, like you said, the inefficiency makes him a guy you don't want to roster potentially if he does have that volume. You almost don't, you want yeah. him to have the volume and you don't want him to have the volume.
3: Right. So a no-win
1: situation. (laughs) Which means you don't want him on your fantasy team, basically. Okay. Okay. Two more names on my list that I want to quickly discuss. This next one, I guess, is a bit of a wild card, but it's a guy who is projected as a top 10 pick. That's Franz Wagner out of Michigan. Mo Wagner's brother. Put up not a single stat that blows you away but across the board the collection of numbers is interesting 12 and a half points six and a half rebounds three dimes 1.3 steals 1.0 blocks 1.33 pointers the blueprint is a little bit of everything Ryan he's six nine not really incredible in any one area but he's versatile he can pass a bit he blocks some shots can knock down some threes I think I could see him maybe his ceiling being like a better playmaking version of Mikel Bridges or something like that. I don't know if that's a reach or not. That's just a random thought I had this morning. And Sacramento at number nine is potentially an interesting fit and one team that he's
3: uh, been discussed is potentially going to. What are your thoughts on Mo Wagner's brother Franz (laughs) Uh, that would be a great fit that the bridges comp is interesting defensively Wagner is a pest so he's you know you you would hope that he'll pick up some defensive stats along the way and looking at his stat line like everything I said about Scotty Barnes and the question marks Wagner sort of answers he's 84% at the free throw line Uh, he improved from somewhere around 30% in college to 34% last year Uh, doesn't turn the ball over only 1.3 turnovers per game compared to three assists 1.3 steals a block per game 48 percent from the field overall so just steady consistent efficient play across the board in college whether that will translate we don't know but as you mentioned if he lands on a team like like sacramento he should get plenty of opportunities he's just going to be you know if he's shooting threes it's going to be of the catch and shoot variety so I quite like him to be a guy who can chip in some boards and assists here or there, a couple defensive stats, knock down some threes, won't hurt you with turnovers and percentages, and thereby becomes a, a plausible fantasy play. So we're back in the positive column, Matt. At least I am. Uh, so I'm I'm rather on board with Faulkner. Okay. Yeah. I
1: mean, I think the one hesitation I have is I I did mention Bridges, and Bridges was a guy who I really liked at the start of his career, but it did take some time for him to really catch on as a fantasy play. For sure. Play. So, I guess I'm a little skeptical at whether Wagner is going to be a plug and play fantasy guy right away, but certainly has the tools to make it happen eventually. He may be one of those second half guys, but definitely on my radar at this point, and I'll be watching where he lands and training camp and all that. You know, we're, we're in wild speculation mode really here, just trying to generally talk <laughs> about these skill sets and how they could fit into the league. and And Wagner does have an
3: interesting skill set. That's the bottom line. There's no debating that. I'm glad you mentioned preseason because training camp and preseason are so critical to gauging these players' actual value. You get quotes from coaches. You see how they're being used in even preseason games. Yeah. So all of these takes we have could be drastically updated a, a couple months from now. Right. Right. Uh, or like three days from now. Or we're completely right, 100%, and we won't need to change anything. That's
1: true. <laughs> That's the most likely scenario. One other name, Ryan, that I found myself intrigued by is Jared Butler out of Baylor. This is a guy who averaged 16.7 points, 4.8 assists, 2.0 steals, and 2.6 threes for the NCAA champion. He shot 41.6% on threes. Just a really polished offensive player. The issue here is that there is reportedly a heart condition that he had to get medically cleared from. But that has happened now. But either way, I think that concern seems like it could cause him to fall a bit in this draft. And he strikes me, Ryan, as a guy who, depending on where he lands, could be a mid to, you know, mid first rounder, something in the 20s pick who is actually fantasy relevant if he lands in the right spot. What are your thoughts on Butler?
3: I quite like him. And you're right. It's unfortunate that he has the medical issue. And especially coming off a of season, I mean, we, we saw LaMarcus Aldridge suddenly just have to had to retire because of it. We've seen health issues shut players down before. And that's definitely going to be in the back of the minds of GMs and front offices as they make this decision. It's just the realistic situation we're in. And although he was cleared to play by the NBA's fitness to play panel, uh, each team will, ha- will have to look through his medical records and determine for themselves how confident they feel that he's going to have a long, healthy, productive NBA career. I certainly hope that's the case because, man, he's got tons of upside. Uh, I-, I love him. I mean, four his steals percentage was 4%, which is massive. That's crazy high and huge for fantasy. Uh, you mentioned almost 42% shooting from downtown. Uh, he can get assists. He was voted the most outstanding player of the Final Four. He really looks like a complete package at 20. He looks a little more NBA ready than than some other guys who come in as well. And so yeah, assuming he's healthy and is drafted to a good situation where he can hit the ground running. I know multiple drafts have him falling as you said to the late teens, maybe 20s mm-hmm. because of that risk factor. We know for sure he'd be higher than that if he were if he had a complete uh, green light. But some drafts have them going to a team like the Lakers, for instance. That's the problem is once you start getting drafted in the 20s, it's a lot of playoff teams and they might just slot you into a reserve role and give you some time in the G League, hope that by the end of the season you can contribute some minutes. So that draft range is really what's giving me hesitation here. I
1: mentioned Sam Vecini before. His latest mock, I think, has Butler going to OKC at number 18 with their third First oh, well, round would pick. Be nice. And that would be a pretty <laughs> intriguing landing spot because now you're talking about a team that does need that scoring and it's their third first round pick. If they're not, tra- you know, they may be trading, we don't know, but in a hypothetical situation yeah. where with that third first round pick, they say, ah, let's take a gamble on this guy,
3: That that would be a tremendous landing spot. Oh, any rookie who ends up in OKC, I mean, this is going to be another complete rebuild season for OKC. That doesn't always mean fantasy value. Like we saw Teo Maladon last season get a ton of minutes and he was just so incredibly inefficient that he was hurting fantasy managers. The same could be said for Pokoshevsky. But at the same time, if a player uh, like Butler ends up there, yeah, huge potential. Yeah, and what, did and, I besmirch Poku? Sorry. No, sorry, no, Matt. You I looked, just he looked upset. I was
1: <laughs> thinking about Poku's shooting and inconsistency just short circuited my brain momentarily. I, <laughs> I, I'm still a little traumatized from that. But yeah, Butler, not the same efficiency concerns that we had with Book Night. So fingers crossed fantasy wise that Butler goes 18 to OKC. That'd be a lot of fun. Absolutely. All right. Well, Ryan, that's all I have as far as some of these upside draft prospects that we wanted to take a look at at the top. We're going to hit the draft on Friday as well with some takeaways after the fact. So we'll have more information then. Uh, Before we go, I don't know if you've been following the Olympics, but the U.S. men lost their opener. And by the way, Luka Doncic scored 48 in his Olympic debut. So big doings in the Olympic basketball tournament already, Ryan.
3: Yeah, we're seeing the you know these teams that have been together, played together for much longer than Team USA, which is coming together on the fly and just trying to out talent people and thus far the results are not not encouraging. Man. <laughs> Not ideal, not ideal. But uh, anyways, that is going to do it for us. Don't forget to
1: subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review Also, as I said, we'll be back on Friday to look at what happened in the NBA draft on Thursday. Thanks to all of you for listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube. Ryan, thanks to you as well. I'll talk to you soon.
3: Thanks, Matt.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards.